0: Have you ever, if you've been orbiting around a church or church world for for any length of time, I wonder if you've ever heard somebody just in a conversation, give talk about something around the concept of a particular person that they know or know of or someone in their world who's, who's had a new first time encounter with Jesus and made a decision to follow Him. And they talk about this, this person that's made this fresh decision to follow Jesus in glowing terms. Man, they are so on fire. You gotta hear them talk about Jesus. They can't put their Bible down. They turn up at 9.55, not 10.08. They, they're, they're in, I mean, you gotta see them. And, uh, but man, I, I don't expect it to last you know, because, uh, you know, I mean, I got this other friend and, and they've been following Jesus for 20 years and, and then now for them, it's just a grind. It's just a slog. And, and, and if you've ever heard people talk like that, chances are they, they're saying it to you in a very matter of fact way, as if it's natural, not weird, as if it's uh, inevitable, because, you know, everyone goes that route, and, and worst of all, they may even try to convince you or, or just subliminally infer that it's somehow God's will. God's will that we start high on the mountain with a, a first time encounter with Jesus. And, and, and until we get to heaven, it's just this long slide down a slippery slope and it's inevitable and that's just how life is. And yet, let me remind us, or if you don't know, let me tell you for the first time, that is not the biblical pattern. In fact, the biblical pattern is that as we continue to follow Jesus, passionately pursuing Him, He will transform us into His image and likeness, that we become more like Him, shining with His glory. We go from glory to glory, not from mountaintop to sloppy valley. And if you've ever heard that, or if possibly you've ever settled for that yourself and and somehow allowed other people or the devil to convince you that it's just natural and, and 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 it's just normal and it's inevitable then then actually this intervention is for you this morning that God would want to meet you where you're at and by the way when God stages an intervention it's to help you change direction because he sees where you're going and he wants to point you in a better way. So don't be frightened of God staging an intervention this morning. Now, if you have our Elevate app, you can pop that open. We just went through 2000 global downloads of that a couple of weeks ago, which is very, very cool. You can pop that open. Tap the Bible tile. I said this last week. I'm not gonna say next week. It's very painful. It will boot you out of our app. We don't have any control of that, but it'll keep you in the Bible. It'll take you to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation uh, terrified me once in my past. Uh, trust me this morning, it's not gonna terrify you, but um, trust me. In this part of the book of Revelation, it was actually a guy named John, one of Jesus' earliest followers um, on an island. And God appeared to John and spoke to John, hence the book of Revelation. This is what God revealed to John. But in this particular instance, God spoke uh, or wrote seven letters, You know, spoke through John in a form of letters, seven letters to seven different churches. And the one I wanna look at this morning is what God said to a church in a place called Ephesus, which by the way, if you wanna geek out a little bit, is where the book of Ephesians, where that was written to. But this is that same church. And um, before I get into that, just it's important to know the backstory Around this church, Paul, who uh, was a Jewish uh, leader and teacher, whose job, uh, around the time of Jesus and, 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 and after Jesus died and rose again, his job was to go around trying to squash uh, Christianity, trying to trying to try to try to like cut it off from ever going anywhere. And, and so he took that very, very seriously. He was always good at what he did. And, and so he went around killing Christians. The only way he he could shut them up was killing them. Well, he met Jesus himself for the first time and had himself intervention in the form of meeting Jesus. And he turned his life around and went from killing Christians to proclaiming that Jesus is who he says he is, the Son of God, that he died and rose again. And he went around preaching that message and, and launching churches. Early on in Paul's uh, career, new career, change of uh, job description, um, he, would, he was in a synagogue. He would go to the synagogue. He would, he would start teaching and he would teach that uh, to, to the people who were already following Jesus about the Holy Spirit. He said, do, you know, do you know about the Holy Spirit? Well, they didn't know about the Holy Spirit. They didn't know there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit. And they certainly didn't know if there was a Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit could do. They were following Jesus in their own strength. They didn't realise that they had access to this whole nother level of power. And so when they got that news, man, we got the Holy Spirit, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. In the Greek, it's the word dunamis, which translates dynamite, some serious power. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead. We've got access to that. Well, that drove their passion levels through the roof. They got passionate. Those early followers who found out that they had the Holy Spirit in them, they even unfolded their arms in church. They even lifted their hands above the belt line in worship. They went crazy, I tell you, crazy. You know the word fanatic is the same root word as the word worship. If no one's accusing you of being fanatical with your worship in Jesus, you're probably not worshiping Him like He meant it. Worshipping, they got passionate. Well, the religious people didn't like that very much. Religious people don't like passionate people because you can't control passionate people and religion is all about control. It's about colour in the, within the lines. It's about paint by numbers. It's about telling you what you can't do or what you've done wrong, not about what Jesus and His Holy Spirit has called you to and empowered you to do. And so because they didn't like people getting passionate, they drove Paul out of the synagogue. Well, Paul set an example for all of us. He didn't let opposition stop him pursuing his calling, pursuing his purpose. And so he just found another place to put his passion. And he went from this uh, itty bitty synagogue in a little janky town called Damascus. And he went over to a town called Ephesus, which had 300,000 residents at the time. And you might think, well, that doesn't sound like many. I've been to China. Yeah, okay, I get it. Alan, uh, but at the time it was the world's fourth largest city that God called him to take the same passion and put it in another place. Passion precedes promotion. See, if you're not passionate and you don't bring your passion in a place of obscurity, why in the world would you think God's gonna take you to a place of prominence? I remember... The first time I ever preached was at a youth conference held at LaSalle Catholic College Gymnasium in Midland. And it was a little Catholic youth conference. I was 17 years old and uh, they got me to preach one session. They didn't call it preaching, but whatever they called it. And it was 400 high school kids in this this, uh, conference that I had, let's say 30 minutes. Uh, There was probably a Wildcats game on after. I had 30 minutes. And uh, 30 minutes to preach to 400 high school kids. And of all of the topics I could have chosen, Jesus loves you. He's got a great plan for your life. You can have purpose and calling, a life of significance and me. I could have chosen any of those topics. They're great. They're, that's that's rocket fuel for high schoolers. Man, you've had people tell you that you know good. Let me tell you what God says about you. Don't believe what man, it's it's gold. It's like well, I didn't choose any of those things. I chose to talk about not swearing. My message was called, <laughs> don't swear. My parents came actually and sat in the back row to uh, see me make my preaching debut and tell 400 kids whose eternal destiny was on the line that the most important decision they could make in life is to not swear. (laughs) My parents and I have a pact that we shall never talk about that again. (laughs) So I, looking back, score myself maybe one out of 10 for content. I might've said something worth listening to. But let me tell you, I scored myself nine out of 10 for passion because whilst my content was a little bit insignificant, I did understand the importance of what ultimately has become my purpose and and brought my passion to that. On the uh, 5th of February, I got a uh, text message. Now, I got a text message from Tanya Watson and Tanya regularly sends me encouraging text messages, which if you've got people that are serving you, elevate kids, hosts, send them an encouraging message. Don't take them for granted and don't expect that they really know how much you appreciate them. So Tanya sent me this encouraging message and this is what she wrote. I keep positive messages and I don't even read the other ones. This is what Tanya wrote Sunday afternoon. Thanks for showing up again and setting an epic example for us all. When you first read that, it seems a little weird because this is my job, like I'm paid to be here. So when someone says to me, thanks for showing up, I'm like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Be a bit bit of a problem if I didn't show up to my job. But of course, Tanya wasn't affirming my attendance. She was affirming my passion that I was not just willing to be here, but be here. It was great. Now, prior to leading here in what is currently a small church, growing, but still small, I was at a church down the road called Riverview Church, which at the time probably still is Perth's largest church. And I would preach there as part of the team. And when I preached there as part of the team, I would preach in any one time slot to about a 1,000 adults. And then it'd be multiple time slots over the weekend. So I may have had the opportunity to speak to two, three, four thousand people. I've been around the world. The biggest auditorium I've preached in is 3,500 adults in St. Louis, Missouri. And I've preached there and so on and so forth. But let me tell you this, and I'm not saying this to blow smoke up my butt. I'm, I'm making a point out of this. I bring the same level of passion when I preach here as I ever did when, we had, when I was in front of bigger crowds. Let me explain why that's important. I'll get to that in a moment though. But here's the thing, beginning of this year, I've been preaching for 20 years and uh, I'm, just, I'm just getting, I'm just, I'm just ready to take my L plates off and put my P's on. I think I'm starting to get the hang of this. Start of this year, one of the things that God spoke to me very, very clearly about here for my role is to preach to a bigger church. Because one of the dangers of being a smaller church at the moment is that we would settle for being a small thinking church, a small faith church, a small capacity church, a small passion church, because after all, what does it really matter? There's only 60 or 70 people here. It's not like there's thousands. When you don't bring your passion to what you do, you show the world that you don't think what you do really matters. And if you're doing it in front of people, you're saying to them that they don't really matter. And if you're doing it in service to God, which by the way is how we should live every day of our lives, you're saying to the world and to Him that He doesn't really matter. I haven't started the intervention yet either, by the way. So uh, If you think that it's gonna get easier from here, no, we're just waiting in the shallow end, I'm barely off the steps. I received a Facebook message during the week from one of our music team, and uh, this is what they they sent me. Uh, Ping, put the next one up, Zodba. I'm praying for breakthrough in our experience of worship, less of this and more of this. Now I love this on so many levels. I love it on the fact, that one level I love it is the fact that we've got team members that don't just pray for their own experience with God, that they pray during the week for your experience with God. I love that we've got team members that aren't settling, settling for, that's well, okay, could be worse. Yeah, but it could be better. I don't like the quality of the emojis, but they sent them from a Samsung phone, which so, you know. You know which by the way, will will help you pinpoint who it may be because uh... back to the letter to the church in Ephesus. Now, by the way, at the time that God spoke through John and it's recorded in chapter two of the book of Revelation, it had been 43 years since Paul launched that church, okay? And he checks back in, God checks back in with them. I see what you've done. This is God speaking. I see what you've done, your hard, hard work, your refusal to quit, good job. I know you can't stomach evil and that you weed out apostolic pretenders, well done. And I know your persistence, your courage in my cause that you never wear out. Man, it's so awesome, Ah, oh, but it's intervention time. You walked away from your first love, why? What's going on with you anyway? This is God speaking as if he doesn't know. It's him wanting them to ask themselves. Yeah. Do you have any idea how far you've fallen? A Lucifer fall, exclamation mark. Yeah. That's not pretty. That's not pretty. That's the devil, just the devil. Still. Lucifer. Turn back, exclamation mark. Recover your dear early love. No time to waste, for I'm well on my way to removing your light from the golden circle. You know, one of the things God will never do is He'll never remove His love from you, but sometimes He will remove His blessing from you. He will never remove His His hand of love. It's unconditional towards you, but He may remove His hand of favour towards you. It's not very politically correct preaching. Damn straight. Now I'm passionate about a lot of things. I'm passionate about triathlon. I'm passionate about health. I'm passionate about eating food that doesn't come in a barcode. I'm passionate about a lot of things. Uh, Louis and I are, are in process of, uh, of moving into a house with some land and I'll be establishing Marco's Urban Farm. And those of you that follow me on socials, you will start to see the bees of Instagram. You will start to see the real chickens of Kensington appearing. <laughs> On my, on my social media feeds. It, it, it is, mm, it's so close, I can smell the chicken poop from here. But I wouldn't ever want my passion for any of my interests to outshine my passion for Jesus. I'll use them as message illustrations. Stand by people, there's some chicken stories coming at you but I'm not here to talk about Marco's urban farm. I might use illustrations. I'm here to point you to Jesus and make sure that your passion for him outstrips anything else you're passionate about. Now, here's one of the most important reasons, if not the most important reasons, I make sure that I bring passion to preaching every single week. On the same day that Tanya uh, sent me the message, Particular lady posted on Elevate Church's Facebook page. Same day. That tenure gave me some props for showing up, for being here, not just here. This is what this is what and this was in response to that that particular morning, two people had made a decision to follow Jesus. Two two people their eternity went from death to life. And we pushed that out on social media. See, I, I'm gonna push out the real chickens of Kensington, but, but the, that's not important. The most important thing that, that we will ever post on social media is celebrating people making a decision to make Jesus their Lord. And so we, we, we posted that two people made that decision and, 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 uh, and uh, this is what one of those people wrote. I was one of those people. My first time at this church, so different from other churches I've been to, I'll be back." Uh, it's a little Schwarzenegger reference, I'm sure. Uh, thank you to my friend for inviting me. And then that same person last Saturday wrote to my Facebook page. Today's message was loud and clear. Good. <laughs> I'm so happy I've met this awesome church. Here's somebody who, hmm, one month today, coincidence? Well, I think not. On the same day that I showed up, and by the way, I don't think that, that it's just me and what I say that, that causes people to follow Jesus. I'm one of the team, players, absolutely. And what I do matters, but I'm happy that, happy. <laughs> Search synonym, pumped that all of our team bring their passion. And so that when you invite your friend who needs to meet Jesus, they come into a different atmosphere where, where God is not necessarily visible, but He's very, very real. And are more likely to make a decision to start following Him. And, 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 and so, so this particular person that's writing on, the, on Facebook about this experience she's had with, with, with a new God that's been made more real to her, she's up on the mountaintop. And, 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 and here's the thing, I don't want to, in 20 years time to be digging her out of the slurry that is, oh, uh, well, you know, the honeymoon period was great and everything, but it's just like any relationships, you know, the shine wears off and then you just have to kind of, oh well, oh, well, at least we're not divorced. Oh, well, what an achievement. Uh. And, 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 and you know, one of, the, one of the reasons people go down that route is they've met other people that have gone down that route who themselves have just thought that that's normal. It's normal to be here at 10.08. Say, say people, say people who somehow magically manage to turn up at their workplace on time, magically get their kids to school on time. But as far as meeting God, it uh, doesn't really matter. It's only God. Well, I don't want, this person that's on the mountaintop from one month ago to interface with the people that think 1008 is cool. Who have the yellow worship emoji? No, I want them, woo, meet that person. Cause that's normal, they're a fanatic. Oh, well, you're a bit fanatical. Yes, now we're getting somewhere. Who think it's normal to give? Who think it's normal to pray? Who think it's normal to read your Bible regularly? And most importantly, who think it's normal to apply what God's shown them in this box when they walk out the door for the other 155 hours of the week. Or if you turn up at 10.08, it's 155 and eight minutes. So God says to them, I see what you've done, your hard work, high five. (laughs) Your refusal to quit, high 10. People don't do that anymore. Uh, I know you can't stomach evil and that you weed out apostolic pretenders. And I know your persistence and your courage in my cause and you never wear out. This is all complimentary. This is all great stuff. Persistence, courage, you never wear out. You know why? Perseverance is the proof of passion. Whoa, that's good. Someone should write that down and put it up on the screen. One of the... um, <laughs> I think our Mac operators fallen asleep behind the computers lost their passion. Um, perseverance is the proof of passion. <laughs> it's great podcasting. Um, one of the girls in my swim squad, a few years ago, she qualified to compete in the Hawaii Ironman uh, Triathlon World Championships. Now you have to qualify to compete in that and not everyone gets to qualify. You have to have done another race and finish probably first or second in your age group to get a, a slot to then go and compete in the, in the Hawaii Ironman World Championships. It's held in Hawaii, hence the name. It's in October. Well, that's cool, except if you're in the Southern Hemisphere because what it means for you in the Southern Hemisphere is you have to train throughout the winter. And my swim squad, we train in the outside pool at 5.30 AM and it's sometimes zero degrees outside, which is fine when you're in. It's just the getting in and getting out bit. That's not very pleasant. And uh, so Helen is her name. Uh, we'll call her Helen because it's her name. Uh, <laughs> Helen, she would have to train swim squad right through the winter when all these Northern Hemisphere athletes that she was gonna be competing against are working on their tan lines when they're out swimming, cycling, and running. She would have to be out up in the hills, wandering we a robe when it's raining and, 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 and windy and, and unpleasant and unsafe. And, and, and so she got there, she, 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 she got to Hawaii. She, she got a bike there, she's over there uh, in the week leading up to the race, uh, unpacks her bike from the little special uh, carrying case that, that we take around and the bike is smashed in high. Not one of the wheels, the frame. Well, that's not gonna work when you have to ride 180 kilometres. So she, she, she spent, instead of doing a little bit of last minute training and a little bit of conditioning, a little bit of relaxing, she had to find a local bike shop. She had to find $5,000 and, and she had to get this new bike. She had to get it fitted to her size because you can't just get on an ill-fitting bike and ride 180 kilometres, it don't work. You don't work. Um, Stuff stops working, Um, and uh, and so she did all that, and she got this replacement bike, and and uh, and and uh, so she does the swim, three point eight kilometers. She gets out in the bike, she 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 does the bike. Um, uh, She got a puncture uh, in the first part of the bike ride. That's cool. You carry you carry a spare. She she put the spare on. She got a second puncture. You don't carry two spares in in a race. You got a second puncture. about uh, about uh, from memory, uh, several kilometers from from the finish of the bike, and so and so. So she uh, she she took off her shoes. She carried them in one hand and she ran barefoot in Hawaii on the tarmac to, to 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 the to the place where she would then be able to finish the bike leg, put on her running shoes, and then run another. 42 kilometers of marathon. But while she was running for the last couple of kilometers barefoot to come back into transition, she stepped on a bee and she's, she's incredibly allergic to bees. And it was only at that point in her journey, only then that she finally had to acknowledge the fact that she wasn't gonna finish that particular year at the Hawaii Ironman. But... At no point through this whole process, at no point through the winter, at no point did anyone ever have to motivate her to do what she needed to do because perseverance is the proof of passion. The flip side of that is that lack of passion is a lid on your potential. When we're looking for leaders and when we're looking for team members, we are not looking for people that we have to phone to get them out of bed, to show up. I'd rather have to steer you a little than have to stick a rocket up your butt every time we need you to do something. And if that's you in the church setting, in your workplace, in your marriage, raising your kids, when it comes to any of the other things that God's called you to, if you lack passion, you might still be able to just kind of grind and slog, but it's gonna be a lid on your potential. Let me throw something else in the mix here, and that's that we've brought into the wrong definition of passion. We've been now told that passion, because we see it on TV and in movies, is about meeting someone at a bar or swiping left on Tinder, or is it right, I don't use the app. Uh, Anyway, whichever the hook is like green for go. Uh, We've been told that that's passion. And guys, that's not passion, that's hormones. (laughs) And you can't build a life on hormones. But here's something you need to know. You can destroy a life because of your hormones. Passion isn't feelings. We've been sold a fake version that passion is feelings. And when you think that passion is feelings, the the obvious knock-on is, well, you only have to do it when you feel like it. And you don't have to do something if you don't feel like it. If I'm not passionate about it, I don't, feel like it, I'm not going to do it. Well I'm going to warn you why that's a problem in a moment, but here's one thing I know about passionate people who persevere, they do what they've been called to do when they're up, they do what they've been called to do when they're down, they do what they're called to do when people are cheering them on, and they do what they've been called to do when people are throwing shade on them, kicking them out of synagogues, telling them that that, that passion for Jesus stuff, that Holy Spirit stuff isn't welcome in this place that they don't let their feelings stop them pursuing what God's called them to do. But here's the thing. We've got this other little uh, Western society colloquialism that we throw around. You probably heard it. You may have said it. It's real simple. It's catchy. I get why people say it. It's simply this. Follow your passion. Anyone ever heard that? That sage advice. You see, you're not willing to put your hands up because you know I'm about to knock them down, right? Yeah, I, I get it. I've been doing this for a while. There's a better thing that I wanna put in your lap this morning. Don't follow your passion. Pursue your purpose. Your purpose, our purpose, is the most important thing that we can Follow And actually our passion should follow our purpose. When we're clear about our purpose and committed to our purpose, our passion level tends to slipstream in and fuel us fulfilling our purpose. God said to the church in Ephesus, but you walked away from your first love. Why? Here's what I want you to notice. You, they didn't lose their first love as if it somehow dropped out of their pocket and they couldn't get it back. They walked away from it. And here's how that works. This, uh, apart from the fact this wall needs cleaning, uh, this, uh, and don't, please don't ever tape things onto this wall again. Um, and can we take these couple of screws out? They're a little bit uh, dangerous here too. But um, <laughs> apart from all those things, what you'll notice here, this, this, this in the design uh, uh, platform that we use, this is, this is called layering, where we have uh, text, Lay it on one image, lay it on another image, lay it on a beautiful, God's favorite color, elevate blue background. In this design platform, you can click on any of these things, text, layer one, layer two, or the blue background. And it gives you the option of bring forward or send to back, option. And what God wants us to do when it comes to our first love is bring it forward. He doesn't want you to not be passionate about other things, but just don't make them more important to you than Jesus. Make sure Jesus is number one. And I'm gonna say something that's gonna rip some people's undies and it's gonna tread on some people's toes. Jesus needs to be more important to you than your job. Jesus needs to be more important to you than your shiny car. Jesus needs to be more important to you than your house. Jesus needs to be more important. Hang on a second. Let me say it differently. Jesus said, that's better. He wants to be more important to you than your spouse. It's getting hard in here. I ain't finished. Jesus said, He wants to be more important to you than your kids. There's a commercial going on at the moment for something I don't typically pay attention but some woman chasing her daughter around blowing things that float into the sky and she refers to her daughter, oh, I just love my daughter, she's my world. Well, if you say that about anything else other than Jesus, this is why you need an intervention, that he wants, no, don't, don't, you don't have to kill your kids. You don't have to divorce your husband. You don't have to quit your job. You just have to put your passion in its place. Turn back. Recover your dear early love. No time to waste. You don't pray to get it back. You practice to get it back. You walked away. You walk back. Don't feel the feelings. God didn't say feel the feelings. No, if you don't feel like it, don't do it. Let me ask a question, I'm done. And then it's a tip off. Is that what it's called? Does anyone who may or may not be going to the basketball know what it's called, tip off, tip off? Oh, my clock's down to zero. How? I don't even know how long it's been down to zero for. See, I can't, I don't, I don't pay attention to it. Let me ask a question and I'm done. Uh, there's an opportunity right now for you to put Jesus in his place in your life if you've never actually decided to follow Him. I talked about this particular girl and other people this time last month who made a decision to follow Jesus, to put Him first. If you've never made that decision, I'm gonna give you an opportunity right now to make that decision. And all I want you to do is just put your hand up. You say to Jesus, I'll see your hand, but you're saying to Him, I wanna make you first in my life this morning. So those of you that have never made the decision to follow Jesus, put your hand up now, make that decision now. You put your hand down and I'll pray for you from here.